All right. Um, let me see. I think everything. Oh, that's good. That is so nice uh, that we've gotten to see. If, let me see if it works. Oh, it does. Awesome. Okay, good. That's um, our, our run. Okay, of course, the title of my sermon today is Living the Abundant Life. Okay, but what is that? But first, before I um, I start, did I hear someone say Farley? Someone's name here is, is your last name Farley? Your name is Farley? Oh, I, I saw a different name in the bulletin. Okay, are you guys from Angwin? No, there's another Farley there. There was a physician Farley there with, with three kids, um, Brent, Margot, and Lisa, I remember. So when you said that, I said, I wonder if they're from... Okay, all right. Well, um, anyway, I just um, wanted to start off with talking about the abundant life. You know, um, the text that we just read, we're going to see it here again. The thief comes with the sole intention of stealing and killing and destroying, but I come to bring them life and far more uh, life than before. So um, the the uh, we see there in the Greek is parison right there. Uh, it's a life and the more. Okay, that's what it's saying. So it's not just life. It's it's life to the fullest that you can get it. Okay, and that's what that text is about because Jesus came down into the world because he realized human beings weren't getting it. <laughs> they weren't getting what life was all about. Adam and Eve didn't get it, okay? And then all of a sudden, relationship after relationship after relationship was broken, and the earth was falling apart. But Jesus said, I have come uh, so that you may have more life. And they were like, please, tell us more. Now, um, there are... Um, uh, very interesting things happening in this text. And I like to always look at the text by itself because I don't want to do an isogesis. I want to do an exegesis, okay? I want to come out of the text and uh, preach according to God's Word because no one can prove it can improve in God's Word, okay? So uh, we have two main characters in John chapter 10. It's the Good Shepherd, and who's the other one? The thief, the good shepherd and the thief, and they have characteristics. Jesus is the good shepherd. Uh, he knows you by name. So that means he has a personal relationship with you. He speaks, okay, relationship guidance, okay. He is the gate, so he's the way, all right. And uh, he is your savior. He says, because I save them, okay, give them eternal life. And there we have that in verse 10. And he also loves you because he is willing to lay down his life for you. Okay? This is Jesus. He is also a healer. Okay? So is Jesus interested in your health? Yes, he is. Of course he is. You know, um, uh, I heard someone mention we were talking today. And then it's so funny that we had that young lady come up and talk about uh, eating. Uh, chewing your food, that's so important. You know, um, one of the, the best things you can do for yourself is take care of your digestive tract. And your digestive tract starts with your mouth, okay? And uh, oral care, you know, uh, if you don't floss, maybe you want to start, 
You know, you take care of those teeth. The more uh, teeth and better teeth you have, the better your digestion is going to be. Because if you don't have teeth, it's going to be very hard for you to um, masticate your food and digest. And also, when, what she was saying is that when you're chewing your food, you're also putting enzymes into your food, okay? Which is really important, okay? And so if your digestive tract is not working, and now they believe that... Um, 70% uh, of your immune system is in your gastrointestinal tract. So think about that. Wow. You know, taking care of your oral care, taking care of your digestive tract with um, uh, chewing your food well, and also the enzymes, what that does, um, I, I would give an illustration like this, and then this is about life. Who's the designer of life? God's the designer about life. So if you understand anything accurately, it always repeats itself over and over again because the word is a living word, okay? And it's talking about life here. And that's why I can take this now and talk about abundant life. And, you know, Adventists are um, really the only Christian organization that talks about health, you know? Everybody else talks about bacon, okay, <laughs> and talking about how, how, you know, Peter, he finally woke up, you know, I heard this one guy say, finally woke up and start liking bacon, because he was over uh, living with some guy who was, uh, uh, you know, um, a tanner, so they said things were changing there in their diet, and I just kind of laughed at that, divine healer, so Jesus has a way of restoring our bodies, okay? And a lot of that, nine times out of 10, is your choice, okay? Once in a while, we may come up with a disease um, that is not our choice, but nine times out of 10, it's the way we eat. The way we eat. And that's not really what I, I am seeing in this text, but I just saw that. I heard, I remember the um, what you shared, and I just wanted to mention that. How important chewing is to get those enzymes. Oh, but I wanted to say what enzymes are. Enzymes are like this. This is what I want you to understand. Um, say you are going to your car. You have a gallon of gas. And you open up the cap of your gas tank and you take the gallon of gas and you try to pour the gas in there. Um, how much gas you're going to get into that tank? Maybe a couple of drops, right? Okay. But I put a funnel into that tank. I pour the gas in there. I get every last drop. Enzymes are like that funnel. It gets your uh, nutrition into your cells, okay? So a lot of um, physicians believe that a lot of disease are associated with enzyme breakdown. So do you need enzymes? Yes, you do. Where are they? Of course, they're, they're in your food, so you don't want to overcook it, but they're also in your saliva, okay? So chewing your food very well is very important, okay? So God created us a certain way, okay? And so if we follow the, the rhythm of life, we're going to have life. We're going to have life. I could go on about that, but I won't. <laughs> I'll, I'll try some other things. Um, he is one with the Father as well. And then contrast the next guy in this text. We see he is the thief. He is the devil. And what is, what is his characteristics? Of course, he's a thief. He steals. Okay, he climbs in some other way. He's a deceiver. He's a deceiver. So you see that in verse 1 and verse 10. He's a killer. All the devil wants is to kill you. So you want to give. And it's so funny how many people are living for the devil. It's just, I just, you, someone wants to kill you and you want to live for him. It doesn't make any sense to me. The world is so deceived. And I am at times too. 
when I choose to go the wrong way. Okay? He's a destroyer. Okay? It says that he, he, doesn't, he, he comes for what? To kill and to destroy. So, and then he's a coward too. So when he kills you, he runs away. Okay? He has no courage for you. But what I look for when I'm reading this text, I see that Jesus, when he came into the world and he began to teach, he realized that there was a lot of conflict with all of the ones who thought that they were wise in the scripture. Okay, Because in this text, he's actually at Solomon's temple. Chapter 10, Solomon's temple. It's about AD 29. He's in the middle of his ministry. He's getting very popular. People are listening. He's saying something different than the church folk. Okay, and the church folk are not happy. So they're coming to him, asking him all kinds of questions, trying to get him in trouble. This is 29. Okay, he is in Solomon's temple when he actually shares this text, which we call the Good Shepherd text, chapter 10. But Jesus realized that people just weren't in touch with reality. They'd come to church and there were deceivers. So now they try to act like they were Jesus's or God's friend, but they were actually the deceiver, okay? They were actually linked to the enemy. And this is what Jesus is trying to clarify now of what is real. You guys are out of touch with reality. You think you can do this and call yourself um, godly people? This is impossible. What, what You want to be a church leader and you're cheating? You're having these affairs that are, are wrong? You're oppressing the poor and you call yourself a godly person? So much of us do in some form or fashion practice some form of deception. Okay, it's sinful. It's just the way we are. But as we understand Jesus's principles more and more in touch with reality, we will begin to see it's for our own good that God wants us to live a certain way. Okay, and why he wants us to follow his word. But let's talk about what is real. Because Jesus wants to talk about what is real because he wants you to know what's the, the um, matters most, okay? What matters matters most. That's what he wants you to do because it's very important to understand what priorities are, right? You've got to understand priorities because if you don't understand priorities, how could you leave uh, a, a godly life? Now, Talking about reality, let's just talk about I, what I always like to do because God is an intelligent designer. Science and the Bible actually go together. People who say that the Bible and science disagrees, they don't know science and they don't know the Bible. Okay, because who created science? God did. Do you know that evolution right now is in trouble because they, that all the theories that are coming out now are proving creation? Did you know that? There is no substantial a discovery uh, in evolution since the 1960s. And so it's all, what's coming out now? All these agnostic and atheist astrophysicists are becoming believers, not so much Christians, but in intelligent design. Yeah, intelligent design. See, J Jesus understood everything. 
He understood reality. He knew how the ecosystem was created. And all he wanted was for us to live. Just live in the rhythm of life. That's what he was saying. But nobody wanted to do it. Nobody wanted to. Everyone becomes selfish. They didn't want to submit to God and humble themselves and ask God to help them live out this life. But here is something that happened a few years ago that actually gave us more understanding of reality. Okay, there was a theory about this phenomena, but there was not the instrumentation to prove what this scientist proved. He's a physicist. He's Nicholas Gassin. He is a professor of the University of Geneva. And in 1998, they finally had the instrumentation to do this observation of this experiment that they had um, a theory of, but no proof physically. So what they did is they took a part of an atom, a photon, they split it in half, and they pushed the photons in opposite directions, seven miles apart. Now, at our scale, that would be like galaxies apart. So this is a really far distance between these two photons. At the end of those photons were identical mazes, okay? They wanted to see uh, this team of physicists at the University of Geneva in 1998 what these photons would do when they went into the maze, seven miles apart. What do you think they did? Anyone? Maybe you read the, the article. Anybody? Yes. They saw what? Well, you're you're seventy five percent accurate. They actually they went through the maze at the same time, and they did the exact same move at the same time, at the same time, and that blew the scientific community away. You know why it blew the scientific community away? Because they had no theory for faster than light. And so till this day, they still debate that, that, that experiment, whether it's true or not. But they repeated it over so many times, hundreds of times, and it comes out the same. But they're still thinking we're not understanding it right because it's happening so quickly. Now, if what I just shared with you didn't blow your mind is because you don't understand the profundity of what I just said. Okay, Let me, let me explain the profundity of what I just said. Subatomic particles build... Um, Atom, atomic particles build atoms. Atoms build cells. Cells build tissue. Tissue build organs. Organs build organisms. Organisms build living beings. All of life is interconnected. All of life is interconnected. All of life is a relationship. Doesn't the Bible say that God is love? Can love exist outside of a relationship? Of course not. Absolutely not. Life is a network of irreducible relationships. And so is reality. So is our world. So is the universe. Intelligent design. Everything is based on those principles. And if you break those relationships, what do you have? Death. You have death. You break your relationship to the ecosystems of the way God said to eat, you die. You break your relationship with people the way God said for you to live, you die. You die, whether in this life or the next, that Jesus is going to come to judge. Okay? God has a certain set of pr principles, and everything is interconnected. And so what Jesus was saying, he said, you know what? What you're thinking in your heart is who you are.
because you can't disconnect that. So don't give me this look like you're doing good. And in your heart, you're cheating people. All of life is interconnected. Okay. So what does God want? He wants all of you. 100%. Not just my words. Everything, because all of life is interconnected. Okay? So life is relational. So people are valuable. Okay? So the way I treat people is very important. So um, reality is made up. If you attended Christian schools, you would have seen this triangle somewhere. <laughs> okay. You guys remember that? It's in the halls somewhere of your school. Oh, we want to educate body, mind, and spirit. So if this is true, this is called the triangle of life. If this is the triangle of life, let's look here for a moment, because this is the point that Jesus was trying to make, actually. Um, I believe, as studying the text and understanding the, um, the Greek in there, uh, mind is 33.33% uh, reality. Spirit is 33.33% reality. And the body is 33.33% reality, okay? So now, what I am sharing here, that makes 100% of what is real. But what's important that I want you to see, what is the majority of reality? It's the invisible. It's what you don't see. It's your thoughts. It's your spirit. That is the majority of reality. And what I mean by that, that that is what governs the 33%. And what are we focusing on? 33% physical, material, cars, houses, money. Okay. And, and that's why we're struggling. That, we're, not, we're, not, we're not focusing on the, the mind, the spirit, the relationship with the spiritual dimension, having God control our lives. That 66.66% of reality has the most power in the universe. And I could prove it to you right now. I could just give you a little illustration just to improve in a very secular way. Listen to me for a moment. Where was this building before it got here? It, it was in someone's mind. Okay. So what produced this was a thought. Okay. Is this producing a thought? No. So what's more powerful? Your thoughts. The spiritual world. I heard a pastor, Craig Cushell, say something very important, and you have to understand this. Your life is always going in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Okay. And that's why Paul said, be ye transformed by what? Yes. Okay, because, and the word there, transformation is metamorphose. And metamorphosis is physical change. Your mind will change you physically. Will change you physically. Your heart may grow a couple of millimeters. <laughs> you may become more thoughtful. Your brain may just grow a little bit more, another uh, neural connection to do what is right. God wants us to be in touch with reality. Now, I use all of this, and now I pastored for 20 years in the ministry, but now I teach health and safety for a very large, well, actually one of the largest fire protection companies in the United States. And you know, I take all of this and I share it, but I can't say spirit and mind. I just say invisible. 
okay? Things like that. And I talk about thoughts and I tell people everything is interconnected. I could, you cannot be reckless and dangerous at home and be safe here at the company. It's impossible because all of life is interconnected and they get it, secular people, okay? But if you understand God's parameters right, it is true in every dimension, at every level, every level. So that's why Jesus wanted them to understand, okay? But here's the thing. So I heard this funny story to illustrate what I'd like to share with you about having good relationships. There was a, a wife who was angry with her husband. He did something and she was angry. She wanted to hurt him really bad. So she called her lawyer and said, you know, I want to do something to hurt my husband badly. Do you have any suggestions? He goes, well, I, I don't know. He goes, he goes, what's going on? He goes, no, I don't want to talk about that. I am angry. Just tell me if you have a suggestion that I could do to hurt my husband very badly. He says, well, let me think for a moment. And he says, oh, you know, I got it. He said, why don't you love him like you never loved him before? Respect him like you never respected him before. Honor him like you never honored him before. And when he falls in love with you next year, you divorce him. And she says, oh, I like that idea. Oh, yeah. I'm going to hurt this guy. I'm going to get him. I want, I, want, I want to take his heart. I'm going to do this. And so the following year, the um, lawyer had it on his calendar. He drafted up the divorce papers. He called up the wife and he says, hey, let's get this divorce done. I've got all of the papers all already printed out. All I need is your signature. She says, what divorce? He goes, we're planning on our honeymoon. <laughs> Life is so important and the way you treat people, okay? The way you treat people. That's important. Life is so important, but the way you treat people makes life. Okay, that's important. The way you treat people. You know, 90% of your relational issues have to do with you, with me, and the, how, and the way we treat people. The way we treat people. And this is what Jesus is saying here. He's showing that he will lay down his life. For you, Jesus is willing to lay down his life. Does he value you? Do you value people? Does he respect you? Does he talk to you courteously? Okay. And that's what's important here. And this is how I could give you some um, uh, backing for what I've shared about how you treat people. What does one of the wisest men who ever lived says? He says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but a harsh word makes temper flare. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Solomon said that. So is treating people important? Yes, the way you treat people is important to your relationships, okay? That is 
absolutely important. And, and 90% of your problem could be traced back to how you treat someone. If you love someone, treat them kindly. Do you think they're going to turn around and do that back to you? No, that would, that would be highly unlikely. That may happen, but it would be very rare. Life is relational. God is a God of love. Love cannot exist outside of a relationship. And that's important for us to remember because God wants the world to know who he is, right? And what did Jesus tell his disciples? How will the world know who they are? That's right, by their love for one another. How they treat people. How they treat people. Our spiritual experience does not have the best of reputation. Churches have done a lot of damage for the Christian message. The Inquisition, who did that? It was a church. And the final deception is going to come through what? A church. Okay? Some of us is making us think that it's going to be something outside the religious experience, and it's not. It's in the church. So where is the devil most active? In the church. In the church. So the only protection for us then is a personal relationship with Christ. Amen? Having him lead our life. Having him control our life by his spirit. It's so important. I remember um, one time I had ordered some tires and I paid for, oh man, it, I've never, it may not sound that much now, but I paid almost $1,000 for four tires. It was the top of the line. Uh, Goodyear. And um, I was stuck because I knew it was snowing in Yukaipa. And the ball tires I had, I was not going to make it up the hill. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to get up there. And the guy says, well, you know, we can't do uh, No, I don't have any used tires, but I do have these tires, and I'll give you a good deal on it, you know, because there was actually more than $1,000. And he goes, I'll give you lifetime um, balancing, rotation, and hazard, everything you need. He says, I'll, I'll, I'll work out a sweet deal for you. I says, oh, and it, and it was the owner. I said, oh, that sounds great. Let's do that. So I got it, and you know what? When I drove that car out on the freeway, it was even quieter. I didn't know tires can make your car quieter. My goodness, and it drove so smooth, it handled so well. Four brand spanking new Goodyear tires. I was so happy. And so um, I drove it for a while, and you know, a couple years had gone by, and I had a puncture. I ran over something, but I was not near this place, so I couldn't go to Redlands to Goodyear and get my tire fixed there. So I saw another Goodyear in Torrance, and I went in there, and I says, hey, could you fix my tire? And they looked, and he says, yeah, we could fix it. And I says, oh, you know, I have road hazard. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Even though we're Goodyear, we cannot cover that. He says, but what we'll do is that um, we'll charge you and then maybe you can have that company work it out that you can have a, um, a refund and credit your card. I said, well, okay, let's do it. And so they, I, they charged me. I went back to the company. The owner was there and I said, hey, look, you know, I got that tire fixed 
uh, that had this warranty on it, but I couldn't make it here. So I, he, they, they made me pay for the repair. And they said, only the way they're going to be able to refund that is if you refund it. And he says, no, I'm not going to refund it. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? You're not going to refund my, oh man, I lost my Christianity then. <laughs> Oh, this is oh man! What you got? I just get what? Oh, you know. And man, just the good thing none of my members were there. You know, <laughs> I was upset. I mean, he he should have given me the courtesy of refunding my money, but he said um, he said no. He goes, I'm not going to do it. And so I was angry. I went home, and I prayed. And I was asking the Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, that I got so angry with that man because he knew I was upset. And there were other uh, workers who were in the company. And I, and I prayed. And over the next couple of days, God made it clear that I need to go and apologize. Yeah, I had to go and apologize. And, you know, I, I humbled myself. I said, you know what? I need to go do what God is calling me to do. And so... I did. I went and I walked in. He saw me coming and I think he was trying to brace himself. <laughs> I said, how you doing, sir? I am so sorry the way I treated you the other day that I came in here and I was angry with you because you wouldn't cover the warranty. He says, you know what? That's okay. I said, just go ahead and, um, take my tire off that has been repaired, rotate the spare on, and then that'll be fine for me. Could you do that for me? He goes, you know what? I could do something even better. <laughs> he said, I could take your tire off and I could give you a new tire for free. And I said, praise the Lord. I said, that sounds good to me. You see what happened? I changed the way I treated him, and it turned something on in him and his attitude towards me. Oh, God wants us to, to be more loving. I got to ask myself three of these questions. Do I value people? That's what Jesus is telling us in John 10. You have to value people. Do I treat people with courtesy and respect? Jesus says, I treat people with courtesy and respect. Do I? Not all the time. And do I honor people with my words and actions? That's what we need to do. It will transform your relationships. Value people, respect them, treat them with honor, and you'll see that the majority of your relational problems will go away. Okay? Now, um, boy, it, it's, it just, you know, was a revelation to me. And as I thought about all the problems and all the difficulties they had gone through, sometimes the first place you need to look is right here, right? It's me. And being humble enough to say I'm sorry, okay? And to value that relationship enough to forgive, Okay. Because forgiveness is another thing. Do you value that person enough to restore that relationship, to say, I'm sorry? Even some of those of us who are more spiritual, even if it wasn't your fault, just somehow trying to reconcile that relationship because you value that person. Jesus wants us to be more like he and his father. 
loving, kind, gracious, merciful. These are the things of heaven. These are the things of the abundant life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace and the demonstration that you sent your son here to demonstrate what an amazing life. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done, the grace that you have provided, the salvation, the blood shed on our behalf. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.